Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! We've put our pyjamas in the drawer marked pyjamas. And we are washing our podcast before we come in and burning it in the bin. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Spoiler Film Film Conversation. Hooray! Hooray! I am Richard with... Uh, with me is Abby. Hello! And Anthony. Right, boyo. Oh, there's the rumble of the wind there underneath little writing shed. You sort of appropriately sat <laughs> in a little uh, shed, like a la Dylan Thomas. Or hmm. I suppose his wasn't full of bikes and things. Might have been. It's true, he might have cycled. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we barred Jamie from this one because he's traitorously moved away to America so he's not Welsh enough for us I mean in fairness this is a really hard film to get hold of so I mean we barely managed (laughs) so you know it'll be good loads of people will be listening to the podcast going yep I saw this (laughs) (laughs) uh, anyway yeah people who who can say yes I saw this will be also eating cowl and wearing one of those Welsh hats I also imagine they wouldn't want to listen to a podcast about it if they've watched it already. So, <laughs> mainly informing people who haven't seen it what happened in it today. Um, but yeah, it was your choice, Abby. So I guess I should pass to you to give the details and uh, set us up as to why we uh, are discussing Under Milkwood. Okay. Under Milkwood is from 2015. There are two versions, so we did the one from 2015. It's a film that was done in two languages, so there's a Welsh version called Dana Wenast, and then the English version. It's based on the radio drama of the same name by Dylan Thomas. The best I can describe it is, it's about dreams, but also weird people who live in a village, and some fantastical elements. It was written and directed by Kevin Allen, along with the writer Murray Lachlan, Michael Breen based on the D- Dylan Thomas work and it stars Reese Evans, Lisa Palfrey, Buthick Verona James, Charlotte Church, Anerin Hughes, Boyd Clack, Di Botcher, Leah Ifans, Leah Roberts, Julian Lewis Jones, Stefan Rodri and Sarah Sugarman. I just want to reiterate the names Boyd Clack and Di Botcher there. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent it. names, Good guys. Name. Excellent. There's some choice names in this film as well. Some of the characters have particularly funny names. Uh, for example, Organ Morgan, No Good Boyo, and I personally like Mog Edwards myself. Yeah. Mm. Die so, Bread. Die Bread as well. Cla- classic Welsh <laughs> nickname. <laughs> it's up there with like Jones the Milk. And fuck it. I, had, I knew a Mr. Evans the Chemist. Well, that's a bit more basic, and it die bread. There's nothing more complicated than that. <laughs> Just some other, there's also some uh, like funny actual names, like uh, oh, what's a oh, Mrs. Ogden? Is it Ogden? Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard. Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard. <laughs> that's a good name. And uh, uh, is there a Mathanwy something? Mathanwy Price. Price. Yeah. 
It's a good name. I mean, there's some classic, classic Welsh names and some dodgy Welsh nicknames. Hmm. But yeah, under Milkwood, all separate words. Apparently, I would have, I would have sworn that Milkwood was one word, but apparently not. They might have had to do that to differentiate it from the other film, like legally speaking. I don't know. I think that might be the same as well. Oh, it doesn't matter. The point is, there was a 1970s one with uh, Richard Burton and. There's another fairly well-known actor whose name is escaping me. Um, Elizabeth Taylor was in it, I think. Ah, uh, hmm. Was it... Oh, what's his name? Florence of Arabia. Yeah, him. <laughs> Peter O'Toole? Peter O'Toole, yes. yeah, he was in it as uh, the blind guy. Yeah, I haven't seen that version of you. Uh, is this the only version you've seen, Abby, or...? Yes, I haven't even read... Well, this is the thing, right? Partly, we must have been tackling under Milkwood because... Uh, a, we're from Wales, and B, we're all from kind of close enough to where Dylan Thomas is. We're at least where we, we've lived in the town, Abby, you and I, where Dylan Thomas's museum is, the Dylan Thomas Mu- Museum in Swansea. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've had a look, have a little peep around there. We've been to Lan. Yeah, Anthony's been to the little writing cottage, have you, Anthony, in Lan? I have. Yeah, and this is just generally the closest thing we're going to have to... A local film. Mm-hmm. Well, there is uh, Submarine, and there is Twin Town. Those are also uh, heavily set in Swansea. It's funny, two of those involve Reese And this director, I think, is it? Well, there's only about six people in Wales anyway, isn't there? Oh, yes, I forgot. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> but I, I guess it's partly... We like to tackle the odd local film. <laughs> well, um, I think the reason that I picked it was I've just been feeling a bit Welshy lately and I guess I felt a bit guilty that I've never actually read any of Dylan Thomas's work despite him being one of the most famous Welsh people who ever lived. There's definitely a going on about himness to the people who like to uh, venerate Welsh culture. Um, Mm. His name often top of the list of... um, I think because he's a poet and a drunk that people are very proud of him and it's there's something like, ooh, a poetry, that's very highbrow. And we could be proud of that in a non it's not just not just rugby or like the odd singer or actor. It's like a proper we contributed culture to the world. A brilliant poet who wrote poems about daffodils and clouds and pubs and things, you know. Mm. So it crops up, and I'm always like, yeah, yeah, didn't Thomas, we're famous for him, apparently. We we take all the credit in the world for, uh, <laughs> I don't know, being from the same place as him. But, like, yeah, we don't, who the fuck has time for reading poetry at the best of times? And <laughs> none of us were really that knowledgeable about him, I don't think. You know, I felt like it was an easy way to stick our noses into uh, his work was through a film, and also, you know, it's a film podcast, what else are we going to do? Um, so, you know, I, it was, I felt, it felt good that you were suggesting this, uh, and we've never done a Welsh language film because there are hardly any going, and this is technically a Welsh language film. Now, we're all, uh, non-native speakers, we, you know, smattering, we can get by, but none of us speak Welsh comfortably, so we definitely needed the alternate English version to watch, which is nice because it's in the Welsh and the English version. So you can hear it in the mother tongue as intended, or you can, you know, see it the other way, like, you know, an English person might want to hear it. Yeah, I did hear a little bit 
when I watched the documentary on it, I heard it a little bit in Welsh. And the rhythm was really lovely to hear. I don't know if Rishi Evans said much differently when he was doing the voice at work, but there was, there was definitely more of a lyrical quality to it. Yeah, I think certain uh, elements of the dialogue work still in English, like the the repetition at the at the start of like uh, conveying the night time, you know, this sort of you know black Bible black crow black like that kind of stuff mm. worked quite nicely to set the tone. It like felt quiet and watery in in the language, even though it was you know switched to English. So yeah, this uh, production had a bilingual cast, which is uh, kind of a unique gimmick anyway. Uh, Apparently Charlotte Church uh, struggles a little bit. Just in life in general. <laughs> just hard. She's she's lived hard and fast, come from uh, prodigy child choir singer to boozing rugby player marrying um, D- Diva? No, she's quite nice, isn't she? But, you know, a bit of a Bit of a ladette. Don't know why I'm slagging her off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't speak Welsh, so I'd struggle. <laughs> Can't give it any real thoughts on the Welsh version, but this is the closest we're getting to reviewing a Welsh language film. We could have all sat there with subtitles on, if we'd have wanted to. Maybe learnt the odd smattering, or reminded ourselves of something we learnt in the recesses of our minds. But uh, yeah, we've never. There just there just aren't that many Welsh language films to tackle. So, Abby, this was partly to discover Dylan Thomas for the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was actually the best initiation into his work, because adapting a radio drama or poetry or anything that comes from a very different sensibility to a novel is more challenging to adapt for the screen, because it hasn't approached story in the same way. It, well, it has a very different mentality. But this was intended to be a radio play, right? Rather than, say... Well, it's a play, so it's meant to be performed. But it's... But when you write for radio, you are thinking from a purely audio sensibility. Yeah, you're conjuring imagery with words rather than relying on a visual to tell people something, isn't it? So then, to adapt it for film, it's either going to be weird because they just describe stuff and you see it or you're going to have to actually detract from the source material in order to have the visual have something to say Hmm, there's definitely a sense that the visual could be fairly redundant due to the nature of the text isn't it yeah Mm. and we noticed when we were watching it that sometimes the visual doesn't actually accurately match the text. Yeah, some of the descriptions of objects in places wouldn't quite be as described, and you go, well, I mean, you could have achieved a lot of these things <laughs> just by altering your set. But, I mean, it was then then again, it is very visually striking. It is very well shot. Mm. Um, Anthony, had you come across Dylan Thomas's stuff at all? Is it something you have read or looked into ever? No, I'm in the same boat as Abby. Um, this has always been kind of like lingering in the background somewhere as a as a text that you should have, you should know about, um, given where we're from. And I just never got around to reading 
or seeing anything that he's done. Mm. And uh, yeah, I suppose it's, it's due time we've seen something. Um, other than that, uh, I, I noticed that this uh, film was uh, produced by um, Tinopolis, which is a mostly Welsh language production company that is literally in our town. It's like a 20 minute walk over there for me, in, at least. Yes. And I was, I, I did this other than, you know, some Welsh TV stuff, I was quite curious to see what to get up what to. We, what we could offer. Yeah, yeah. I think from what I can remember from the documentary, that's where they did most of the ADR is in Stopless. Mm. That makes sense. And then uh, I didn't really have any impression of this film coming in. I, d- uh, I did read a few reviews um, briefly, um, and they were very extreme. They were either 10 out of 10, this is a surrealist visual masterpiece, or they were like 0 out of 10. And I think uh, I remember one referring to it as poetic septicemia. <laughs> So I didn't really know how to come into <laughs> into this one. So I, I I had an open mind, I think. You take the average and assume it's somewhere in between then. Um, yeah. Which I I'd say is yeah, it's definitely somewhere in between those two. I could see people landing either way though. It's totally mm. masterpiece or absolute like Novocaine. <laughs> like, um, I... yeah, I, I think it, it's. It's a weird thing for me because I think they they have achieved what they set out for, but that's not necessarily the most um, typically entertaining for an audience. Yeah, it's that thing of as a if it was like submitted to an exam board, a star. But a film is a piece of entertainment, so it's not just about understanding a piece and creating and conveying it in a in an appropriate way in an artful way. It's you know getting people engaged, isn't it? I, I think you could de- you could definitely say this is is uh, an engaging film. It's just it does. I I would be surprised if it engaged everyone. <laughs> like it's not uh, not the easiest piece to grapple with. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, even when it's in English, there's a thick Welsh accent-y thing going on. And some of that is, like, for lols. Like, obviously people do talk like Welsh people talk, but the accents are a little bit more old school or more valleys and a little bit... You know, they're, I guess the, 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 some of the voices are more the kind of voices people of my grandparents' generation would have, or my even my mum's generation a bit. Mm. Like, a little more emphasised, a little... Deeper and Welsher, and uh, you know, uh, just classic Welsh languages where we really pour over the pronunciations and make them emphasize in that. Like, I know, but I don't know, the three of us have Welsh accents, obviously, to lesser degrees with RB, I guess, but um, they're not as they're not quite as oh, well, do do bloody hell and Jesus Christ. <laughs> Another thing that stands out is, you know, this film is a very smutty, raunchy uh, piece of comedy. Uh, it's not really dirty in any way, it's just a bit 
jokey and naughty and, you know, it's postcard shit, isn't it? Yeah, that's silly though, isn't it? I I assumed more he was having a pee in it. Yeah, I thought he peed in his helmet, the policeman, which is classic comedy. Although it is, I think it is a little bit, what is this, if you know what I mean? Subversive Mm -hmm. is what it is, disgusting. (laughs) But yeah, this is a... a... There were a couple of moments... Like, you know, I'm going to assume there wasn't as much raunchiness in the original kind of, like, radio play. I don't Um, think that's true. I think think, think David and Thomas is a bit edgy. I want to assume it's, uh, like, people's thoughts about it rather than it actually happening, perhaps. Yeah, he would have alluded to it more than... Because it's all... um... From what I can tell, the original one is from one point of view, so he wouldn't have necessarily inhabited another character to give their, um, so what the word is I'm looking for. But this was like, I know he was in America, but still, it was the, what, the 60s? They wouldn't have allowed him to say anything too. I think you're, I think you're presuming too much. I think Dylan Thomas was... Okay, yeah. Fair enough. I, like, we don't actually know. Um... And on the most part, it seemed to kind of like fit in with, um, uh, like, the, like there's a very distinct mix of, like, a nostalgic way of looking at these people, but then an also kind of like a, a quite a grim way of looking at it. Like, it's kind of a bit sad and dirty and. It's somehow and, both bawdy and morbid at the same time. And, like, it does that with the the continuous eroticism going on. Yeah, but it isn't... Oh, that... Uh, that wait, <laughs> I want to get it right. Faggots and chips and gravy. <laughs> I was wondering when this would come up, because I've always thought about this, but it's kind of, it's kind of like never come up in our podcasts... But there is a food in Wales. Is like a balled up piece of off cuts of meat. Are you still talking about the food? <laughs> yeah. Which it's sort is... of a similar premise to a meatball, but dirtier. <laughs> yeah. And we call it a faggot. And. The first time I heard that word in in my life was referring to just a meat ball, sort of. But it is a weird word to to say out loud these days, given its other connotation, which has nothing to do with this. Yeah. But it's such an ingrained thing with like mm. whales. Yeah. It's kind of hard to skip around. It feels weird that we don't have to censor the phrase. Uh, one of the characters molested the other one with a faggot. Because <laughs> that's what happened. Someone smeared a meaty gravy product on someone. and this isn't, yeah. this isn't in the film, but it, oh, it's always been weird for me that the leading brand of faggots is brains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and be, it was a beer as well. I mean, what is wrong with this country, honestly? <laughs> but yeah, there's some foreplay with some really dirty people that smear disgusting grubby food on each other. Yeah. That, was the, that was the only time it bothered me. 
but I don't know. It's like they went to a great deal to like show the faggots like big lumpy things in gravy, and they just looked so dirty and horrible. Plus, the people are in dirty claws and have dirty stinking hooves or feet or whatever, and they there's oh, one sort of stick. Oh, as well. Yeah. So this it does get grubby and sexual, but not in the usual way that sort of you know bawdy comedies go. It's a slightly more cheeky and playful, and uh, just an honest sort of yeah look look behind the curtain of society, I suppose. But it's mainly uh, a surreal piece about dreams, which just makes me yawn instantly. I mean, just <laughs> no, no pretentious art poetry about dreams. I'm out. I'm just out. There's no way. And so going into this, I was very much like, oh, it's not about dreams, is it? Yes, yes, it is about dreams. And Dylan Thomas can try his little heart out to make it poetic and engaging and lovely. But you're going to lose me, because dreams aren't interesting. Other people's dreams, boring. You don't want to hear about them unless you're in them. Um, or there's some... No, I don't know. There's nothing There's nothing about hearing about dreams that is interesting. And so making a whole film about it? Oh, come on. Yeah, and that that is a deliberate choice of the film as well. Because I don't think... Um... I don't think like the original Under Milkwood is supposed to be a dream. Yeah, no, it I, is. It's about people's dreams as well. Yeah, it, it kind of like starts off like that, where like the village is asleep, and then we kind of like explore a few people, yeah, and um, like some of their background and some of their feelings, and then like the second half is their typical day, which is then. Uh, informed by everything you learn in like the first half when they're asleep, kind of thing. Mm. But then the film does heavily lead into that kind of like dream thing, where it's all very f- loose and flowing and doesn't seem to follow much logic. Um, yeah, it's a noose. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's a, it is a very loose narrative. It, it you sort of chop and change who you're following. And it's a little bit uh, confusing because you don't know who everyone is initially. You don't know what, why everything's sort of bleeding into each each other, and who's going to relate to who. Um, so it, it's a bit confusing. And the, you know, the thing is, like a, a film about dreams is, it kind of puts you to sleep a bit, doesn't it? Like it does the, the very nature of it, in its style, is putting you to sleep because it's very dreamlike and sleepy and dark and, you know. So it's very hard. Abby, you was very much slumping down the couch as the film went on. It's not just only because the film's bad. It's just because of the poetic quality of the language. It's very dense on the ears. It's a lot to listen to and take in. And then you're also trying to take in the visual information. Like a comedy lullaby. Because <laughs> in cinema usually you will occasionally get uh, a narrator but usually it's just dialogue and dialogue is relatively thin you don't get a lot of monologues in mainstream cinema and then with this there was just so much speech Hmm. that it was tiring to listen to but it is worthwhile listening to it sure yeah and uh, like I said before I feel like 
that was the point. That's kind of like what they were aiming for. Yeah, that's what and... they wanted you to, to feel. Is that it felt appropriate, didn't it? Yeah. Hmm. They hit the nail on the head. They 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 did what they intended, but it makes it a lot more of a piece of art than a piece of entertainment, which isn't a bad thing. But it does that's... narrow your audience a bit. Yeah. Hmm. I think there's an element of the film relying on you already being a Dylan Thomas fan, and then this being a lavish production of that. Uh, what do they call him? The Thomas Heads? What do they call him? <laughs> uh, Dylan, Dylan Maniac. Um, <laughs> There's... I, like, I don't know if it said something about him, but I feel like the shopping list at the beginning of this said a lot about Dylan Thomas himself. I just like, have a hunch. And the shopping list that had been discarded in the river said whiskey, jelly babies, tobacco, soap, milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It does feel right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a, a lovingly crafted uh, film. What I guess what it's about. Uh, we start setting the scene very clearly and uh, poetically. Obviously, poet, of course, is poetic. Um, but we get this imagery and the voiceover telling us how dark and quiet and how everyone's asleep and really emphasizing the fact that it's the pitch black night and the cobbled streets and the babbling brooks and the like it really conveys the atmosphere of slumber and night time and the, the, how everything stops and everyone is in their own private mind space the majority um, of well it's Reese Evans and I assume it's all, it has Captain Cat so it's like a lot of the film is from his point of view yeah, he's not a cat either. He's a man. He's called Captain Cat. I did think about that as well. I don't think Captain Cat is meant to be the narrator in in the story, but they've kind of like mixed that up a bit. Mm. And then I did kind of have the thought of um, how, because he's blind, so maybe like a lot of the imagery and uh, stuff is also kind of like in his mind how he sees things as well. Yeah, and it's also partly about his life, because he talks about when he was younger as well, and his love interests and things. I didn't f- I didn't fully understand if it was the perspective of a blind old sailor going in like the fucking Sandman into people's dreams, or Freddy Krueger or whatever. I didn't understand if he was going into their minds, or if it was just a, a as you suggested, sort of a, a, a thing for the film. But uh, it, it, it's, a bi- guess... it's a bit confusing. I think it's how he conjures the world in his head because he has to like guess what these people are doing and what they look like when they're doing it so it's his imagination sort of filtering reality yeah maybe what was the name of the village because it's backwards it's something clever isn't it oh what was it it's uh no um it's bugger all backwards, apparently. Uh, Llan... Llanregib. Right. Llanregib. Bugger all, because it's, uh, not, it's not a real, I don't know, village, and it's got bugger all to do with anything, <laughs> this piece. Um, I don't know, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's obviously a bit playful, and uh, they maybe you didn't pick a, a village to slander real people, or... To you know, he must. These are obviously uh, caricatures of people he 
new or has based them in some way on reality. Because I mean, Dylan Thomas hasn't gone far from his homeland here. He's mm. made up a Welsh village full of Welsh people who would have been people he would have been in and around and known. He, he didn't go, you know, to space and invent aliens here. He stayed at home and mm. yeah, it's a pastiche of various people from the various places he's lived in around Wales. Yeah, it's like a little hodgepodge of various villagers and their lives and dreams and thoughts and behaviours. And they're all... They're quite varied, but there's usually a theme of sex and or death or, I guess, jobs. The people's different jobs and their little personal subversions. I also... One of my early notes was that within the first 15 minutes or so... There's, there's already been singing and poetry, which fills up half of the Welsh bingo card. Yeah, you've got to start yeah. with some male voice choir and waves and shit like that. <laughs> Talking about making notes, my notes for this, they're not very precise or informative, but I was just kind of like reading them and they kind of make a weird realist poem all of their own. <laughs> So I feel like I I should read those out. Yeah, go on. (laughs) Give it your best Dylan Thomas poetry vibe. Under Milkwood. Captain haunted by the dead. Taylor musical. Mouse family. Flooding church. Dead husbands. God is red. Golden egg. Milk in river. Naked policeman's helmet. Butcher sex. Naked congregation. Bed in the sea. Drag in the mirror. Faggots, peas and chips. (laughs) Toe sucking. Faggots on breasts. Creepy Postman, Charlotte Church, Goatman, Dominatrix. <laughs> it's good. It works. <laughs> it does work as like a, a redux poem, doesn't it? Nice. I like the like the ending. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's slightly helpful as well to refresh our memories as to who crops up. Was uh, the, um, the fantasy proposal towards the start, was that the only legit musical number? The fantasy proposal. Oh yeah, the, the guy who runs like a tailor shop, is it? Yeah. Who's imagining? Because there's other surrealist, like asides, but I feel like that was the only one that had like an actual musical number. There was a song about chimneys or chimneys. I don't know. They say chimney, don't they? I think it means chimney. <laughs> but like, there's a song about that sort of thing. Charlotte Church, I was expecting to do like a musical number because she's a singer. And then there's a bit where she's like her, she's coming into the village with all her children and a lot of the people are gathered round and it's quite, you know, we sort of, it's a bit filmed a bit like it's going to be a musical number, but then nothing Mm. happens uh, in that Uh, way. She does sing a little bit at the end. Yeah, but it doesn't commit at any point to being a proper like musical or anything, no. Which is a little bit of a shame, because I think that would have worked. That could have been a direction, couldn't it? Mm. Big ask, though, um, to go that far in adaption. Uh, mm. But yeah, this I don't think there's any point like poring over what order things happen in. Maybe if we just discuss people who cropped up characters and villagers uh, who cropped up or had interesting moments, and then um... see which ones we've missed out and talk about them as well. Yeah, I'll have a quick look through and sort of flag up a few. So you've got Captain Cat is generally haunted by his past and one particular woman, Mrs. Probert, I think she was called in particular. Probert, good name. Then you've 
got the woman who may or may not be sleeping with a merman. Right. Uh, Too much vagary with this, isn't there? There's yeah. a lot of like, is this happening? Am I understanding it right? I want to talk about that mouse dream. Mouse dream. The torrent of piss. Okay, yeah. We're just getting another version of Anthony's poem. <laughs> Mouse uh, woman, torrent of piss. I want to talk about that man. They did not like his hat that day. The postman <laughs> steams the pots and pans. The nosy parkers and dirty proposals. The dead husbands. The god is red chicken shed. <laughs> We're literally covering the same ground. I just, I'm, I'm thinking we just need to pick someone out, talk about them, move well, on, unless like. Most of it, so he's sort of linked to most of it. Yeah, he's uh, Reese's Vance in his bedraggled grey head, sort of captain. He doesn't overly commit, just a you know, oldish, blind looking man. Um, and he's got the right voice, I and mean, he's you know, he's got a lovely tone to him, I think, and uh, just his, his ability to convey meaning in, in the text is just spot on, I think. I don't know if it's an age thing, or if he's just got a certain sort of seniority within the profession now, but the last few things I've seen him in, he's actually allowed to have nice, like, have really good quality costumes and allowed to. that actually have a look. I think in, in, like, Notting Hill, they don't just put him in his pants because he can't afford clothes, like, he's, that's part of the story. <laughs> Chicks dig grey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't quite know how to put it, but in the early stuff, he was very much pigeonholed in the skinny, weird Welshman role. Like, someone's friend who's really fucking odd. Yeah, I mean, that. I think he's matured, and then the, the roles he can get are a little more... Uh, I don't know. Just rounded. They're yeah. Just a little more diverse. And I'm glad, because he's a good actor. Yeah. Yeah, he's perfectly fine. He's certainly the, I guess, the biggest name in it. There's a lot of people who appear in various TV shows, and I guess Charlotte Church is the other bigger name. But loads of these actors have been in loads of stuff. They pop up in either Welsh TV or the odd British uh, film or other, you know, programme. So, you know, it's a a good cast, actually, of just people you don't know by name, but still, like, you know, good acting and uh, performances and all that. But yeah, uh, I'm not Cap- sure which one of them it was, but the woman who plays Sally Marley was in this. Sally. <laughs> That's the Welsh animated children's show, Sally Marley, is it? Or, and children's book series. I don't actually... It's a live-action one. I remember there was a live-action one. I don't actually... I've never, never actually read or seen any Sally Marley. That's not much to it. It's very young children. Nevertheless. <laughs> she, has black, she has like a black bun hairstyle, yes. and red dress. Orange, is it not? I haven't even oh, seen it, and I'm not arguing about it. Again. Yeah. I don't have <laughs> as many cones in my eyes as you, alright? Cones in my eyes. <laughs> I see basic colours. No parking, the orange cones are not here. <laughs> um, okay, well, what? I, he was the most confusing, because I didn't fucking understand fully what was going on with his aspect of the story, because it flips between the present and the past. But he's blind and he's horny and remembering a woman and I, I don't know, he also is negligent for a boat accident. There's lots of dead uh, 
blokes in the sea who are rotting away that get talked about. Yeah, I like that bit. Yeah. One of the more effective, effective bits of like seeing them all kind of like rotting and calling up to him from the from the sea. Pirates of the Caribbean style. I love their um the sort of seaweed makeup is the only way I can think to put it. Mm. They were all yeah. Grown on. Yeah, that's very really good. But it is, did he like, cause a boat accident or something? He was in. He could have been in a wreck. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Who we pop into a bunch of people's dreams. Uh, let's go with Organ Morgan, right? Because he had a he had his wife in his one, but he was also ignoring her. Like this bloke is a is the church pianist, hence the name Organ Morgan. Organ Morgan, yeah. Organ uh, Morgan, Organ Morgan, Morgan, and but he was just dreaming about playing the organ, which is not very imaginative. And it, but his wife was curled up in some like uh, fleece or something next to him and being annoyed about him only being obsessed with the organ all day long. Yeah, was... and you had that bit later when she realised that he hadn't even listened to what she was saying, and she had like that weird sort of plague style. Mask and cloak. Mm. Throwing sound. Yeah, don't know. <laughs> don't know what to make of that. There was a few comments about bad marriages. Actually, one of the themes is uh, people's relationships being a bit weird, whether it's their sex life or lack of it, or just just the playing on the idea that wives and husbands might actually hate each other a lot, or that want to have affairs or something. I don't know. Oh, we did that. One of the striking relationships, in fact, was another married couple. Uh, there's the man who's dreaming about poisoning his wife, so he's like imagining himself in a lab concocting a some sort of deadly poison that he then doesn't get to administer, but because he's serving his wife uh, tea and breakfast and things, and she's instantly like she hates whatever he does and complains about the tea before even tasting it and it's incredibly difficult and annoying and has and has her husband absolutely cucked and he is uh, internally seething and therefore dreaming about murdering her yeah that angry tango that was amazing hmm do you enjoy the angry tango Anthony yes and that that is Boyd Clack by the way the tango it's the good <laughs> Yeah, I liked I liked the the idea of wanting something and then serving tea and biscuits and things and imagining it murdering them but not it not happening and it's like the way you were saying it was like I've made your arsenic tea. Yes. And I've got your weed killer biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> Just that you've grown me into the ground and I'm tired of it, but I can't pull the trigger as it were. He imagined surrounding her as well, and it reminded—it made me wonder—is like, is that one of those like? They have various like places where you used to baptize people in rivers in Wales, and it reminded me of one of those places. So I was like, oh, which one is it? I wonder. Yeah, actually, speaking of rivers, the title of this under Milkwood—the only time milk comes up really, I suppose—is there's a milkman who's pouring milk into a river in the woods. So there's Milkwood, we're under. I, get, I don't know if we're under Milkwood in that we're under this town, but the town isn't called Milkwood. 
I I still don't quite follow, <laughs> like why it's called that, and I don't know why the milkman was nocturnally pouring milk into a river. Any one got any answers? No. <laughs> there wasn't really a story with the milkman. I don't think beyond that's what something was either happening at night or in a dream. Again, the again the ambiguity kind of kept tripping me, kept tripping me up. Especially because you don't know who the characters are yet, so they introduce them and they do stuff. You're like, all right, is this happening? What's going on? How is this going to play into their day? Obviously, the policeman wakes up and has piss in his helmet or something. Oh. <laughs> yeah, let's just leave that one where it is. <laughs> who else did we have? Oh, the guy who's dreaming about the mouse family in his wall. Yeah, go on. Were, they looked like humans, but they had mouse heads and one of them was reading a newspaper and the other two were watching television, I think. That was that was just like that was when I knew they were really gonna lean in on being weird. I was like, ah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think the Richard Burton one is a slightly more normal approach to the film. This one is a visually more imaginative and striking. I can't quite imagine how that plays out in a more sober version of this, but it is. It just just sort of. Uh, I guess it's part of the nightmarish vibes when you're wandering from person's dream from one village's dream to another and uh, li- li- existing in a sort of non-reality state. You don't know what the film's going to throw at you, and mostly it's sort of playful surrealism. So uh, bizarre goings on mixed in with slightly horned-up ideas, passive aggression, and and uh, just the hidden thoughts and lives of people. And it does make for quite a weird mix of imagery. And I think we did, that's one of the most real ones. I mean, obviously it's grotesque watching people smear gravy and stuff on each other. And, <laughs> but that was reality, right? They'd woken up and did that. Once they were awake, they were horned yes. up and being sloven and disgusting. So can't even blame Dream Space for that one. I'm not really sure who was dreaming of the gossip chorus and a torrent of piss flooding out a funeral. I don't know who that attaches to, but it was horrible. Yeah. Anyone you want to you pluck out there, Anthony? Um, there was the, the woman, like the slightly older woman, who is uh, who seemingly conjures um, a big, burly, black guy out of the sea. Of course you bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there were two... But only because, like, I, I, it's quite odd what's going on with her, because there's, um... I think she's, like, dreaming of an old love, so I think that's supposed to represent her dreaming of um, an old love. Is it the same woman who's meant to... who's having that letter relationship with uh, Mog? I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't think so. I, she does dream of being younger at one point and uh, carrying like um, like a star symbol across the hill. Yeah, it's just a horny old lady remembering the past or a past lover. Yeah. So she like there's this burly, uh, burly Adonis coming out of the sea to you know, to her I suppose, but the. Um, 
there's also someone who there's a who was the name of the there's a fisherman who's dreamed about it. He's a sort of mythical creature. He's like a horned. I don't know if he's a demon or a goat man or something. Is it? So someone else oh, is Simbad. Simbad the sailor, of course. He runs the pub and gives the foamiest pints ever. <laughs> and <laughs> is it someone fancies him? And there's a lot of eating of flesh or hearts or something. A heart, a piece of flesh, bloody yeah, flesh. Simmering thing between him and Gossamer, something. Hmm. So I don't. What, what... This is incomplete. What, so the <laughs> so this Simba guy, he he was like a, was he a goat man or a demon or what? Um, I think it's just kind of like representing. I think they both kind of fancy each other. But I think they both kind of see each other because, like, uh, she does. I think he says, like, if only you weren't so educated. Um, educated, he says it like that as well. Yeah, I think they they both have a desire for each other, but I think they both have the kind of like social reservations from oh, either side. Yeah, so they this sort of they're too polite to act on it or something. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of this uh, unrequited or. Uh, unachieved uh, romantic relationship stuff. I think the uh, the one you mentioned already, Abby, is the the tailor. I, di- I didn't fully understand it because at the end uh, it sort of resolves as if I'll never be with you, but I'm still in love with you. So the tailor guy who runs a shop is having a correspondence romance with a woman, and they know, they're not going to actually act on it, but they are fabulously in love and have an imagined uh, tango. Is that reciprocated? Do they both participate in that, or is it just his fantasy in that scenario? Hard to say. It's uh... all the well, cops are coming. She does write back to him, so either she's just you know being kind, or she's genuinely interested. But then there's also a sense of it'll never get to that point. Yeah, I think he wakes up clinging his cash machine, and there's a bit of money symbolism as well, and. I don't know. Like a lot of this, let me go. I don't really know about this. Uh, but yeah, that's another one. Like where it's just you know, there's a big emphasis on uh, lust or romance in, in one way or another. Mm. Uh, however, so there's the people who are actually a couple are the grubby people. There's the uh, not actually going to hook up couples. There's the fuck fantasies of some people, and the, just the the general wet. Or horny dreams of people who are just on their own in their own mental space. Do anyone have non-smutty dreams? Uh, oh, Charlotte Church is kind of the village bike, is she? Or like yeah. she has multiple children, and everyone thinks of her in quite a negative way, even though she's seemingly quite fine with it. Check the look at these. No, no, the dead husband's ones. The dead husband dream. Isn't that sexual initially, and then it really is much later? Oh, well, it does have a good payoff, doesn't it? Because so they establish this woman. What's her name? Is this the? This is Ogmore Pritchard, isn't it? Yeah, because she has two names. Because uh, both of her, she's a widow, and she had both her husbands are in her sort of thoughts, I suppose. But she is a OCD cleaner who's very house proud to the extent where someone offers. Like, I think the postman turns up and says there could be someone who wants to rent 
uh, your yeah, uh, room in your bungalow, in your bungalow, or your house, or your cottage, or whatever. And she's like, "That's not happening." <laughs> Even though her place, it, like, it was like, "Oh, it's just a bird watcher. He'll be in and out. He'll be gone. He won't make a mess." He'll just take his breadcrumbs and go first thing in the morning. And she's like, it's not happening, mate. I clean day and night all the time. I'm not having someone in here to scuff up the place. And it's like, okay. And then later on it gets revealed. This this sort of weird... I don't know if it was something she did in real life or a fantasy. But, like, her two dead husbands turn up. And they're ve- they are very cucked. And they have to recite all the rules of... Uh, what they are to do, and they both have like a laundry list, almost literally, of what they. So there's things like, I must put the pajamas in the drawer, mark pajamas. I must go outside to blow my nose in the shed. You must burn the <laughs> tissue. You must like wash this and clean that, and you can't enter my house until you're perfect and have done all the right things. And then we see her in like a Nazi uniform, and she's like whipping. Her naked husband's in like tied to the bed, is it? Yeah. So that was you know, an interesting shoot day. Nasty, uh, <laughs> nasty bondage from uh, OCD cleaning woman with really strict rules. It's pretty out there. You know. Mm-hmm. Were you uh, amused by this idea, Anthony? Mm. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh... It comes closer to the end, and one more of those where it's like, oh, I didn't expect it to go here, but here we are. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was weird for me, because she, initially, the cleaning aspect and the way she looked reminded me a bit of my grandmother, and then when it took yeah. a turn for the sexual, I was like, oh. I mean, she didn't, she didn't exactly resemble my grandmother, but it was this sort of uh, house-proud, wearing a tabard, you know, something about her... Uh, deep-set eyes, I guess. There was one thing that wasn't... I don't think it was sex-related. I'm I'm also not sure if it was a dream. But when that woman was talking to herself in the mirror and the one in the mirror was just like a man. Hmm. That was really good. Yeah. If anything, some of these scenarios I would have quite liked to go on a bit further. I don't know know if we could have had less of them and they play out longer or... I don't know, maybe I'm just... I was just pining for a more traditional narrative where we get to understand the character, something happens to them, uh, you know, more of a beginning, middle and end rather than just, uh, you know, a little taster of each person, you know? Mm. And then one of the things that interlock them all, when they all get up and face the day and go about their business, whether it's uh, no good boy, or does he go out on a little boat for the day and... With a geisha. Yeah. Why is, why is that? <laughs> is that real? I, it, well, even when they wake up, I'm not sure if things were happening or if it was more, you know, imaginative. What, like, why is he no good? No good boy, oh. What's his crime? General troublemaker. I think it's kind of, um, kind of like a, um, a point, um, of, like, small villages where... You kind of have to fit a role, if you know what I mean. The kind yeah. of like stereotype, and like that's the only role he could fit was being like the no good guy. Guess he doesn't have a job, therefore there you go. Because he he does say at one point, it's like I'd like to be good, but no one lets me. Hmm. 
But the the, the true do badder, I would say, is uh, the aptly named Willy Nilly, the postman. I guess his name's William. Is his name Willy? Uh, and then they add Nilly, or is his name William Nilly? But um, him and his wife are up to no good because they're steaming open people's post, reading it, and knowing everyone's business, and then they seem to be very, very nosy and just passing on messages. I mean, that might be something postmen do. They hear the gossip, they go to the next person, they tell them, and it spreads like wild- wildfire. But they're reading people's fucking letters. Like, what's going on? Is this commonplace? I think it was out in the open as well. It wasn't necessarily a secret thing. I don't know. It must be a secret. Why are you steaming? Citing some of the letters verbatim. Yeah. What a prick. <laughs> I'm a bit confused about it. It's like, is that his wife or his mum? Oh, it was his wife. That's his wife. Because right. he, like, kisses her very intimately. Hmm. Yeah, so they've got a prick postman. <laughs> <laughs> What's Ty Bredgood up to? I don't really remember his story. Wives? Pardon? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. He just has two wives, and <laughs> that's it. How does how does how is that a thing? He just has two wives, and that's fine. Yeah, at one point he has a bread shaped like a penis. <laughs> die, die polygamy. <laughs> that's right for some minute. Die menage a trois. <laughs> Who else is uh, living life in the village, guys? Uh, oh, the Reverend. Yeah, they're the priest guy. I don't know if he's... There's a pub called the Eli Watkins in... Lashing? Swansea. No. Eli yeah. Jenkins is in Swansea, yeah. But yeah, like the the preacher guy. He's very... Like the way he's portrayed in this, it's very, very much that kind of uh, pagany um, thing. Rather, like, kind of like when you think of like the Estelle of the Vod. And stuff. Like, he does mention dreaming of the Stealthford at, at one point, um, but he seems like a lot more spiritual, yeah, rather than like say Christian. A very striking image was he is in a bed in the sea, and he's pulled out by some uh, I don't know. They, what are they like? Uh, Aboriginal tribal Maori looking dudes, aren't they? And they like dress. Uh, dress a skirt. Um, what's the word? Straw dress? Is that's not straw? What the fuck are they called? Grass, grass skirts. Grass skirts. Yeah, they got like grass skirts on and tribal tattoos and some of them, and they pull him out while he's uh, spinning his uh, story. He also like gives a sermon naked to everyone at some point. Yeah. And they don't mind at all. I generally found the bawdiness a bit tiring. Like, it's fine to have a smutty story, or it's fine to subvert expectations by having someone have a dirtier internal life than the life everyone knows about. But just, you know, people with their fucking balls out, or arse out, or a bit of a tit. There was like a bunch of uh, people, the villagers walk around for a while, and a few of them are just uh, naked. Well, I don't know what that was about. Oh, the parade. Down to the... The badger parade. We're dry, we're... Who's grooming the badgers for the badger parade? <laughs> no, uh, some sort of parade, yeah. Like it's, it seemed like a sort of pagan festival type mm. thing, but I don't think it actually was. But yeah, some people would make the. They were 
very kind and understanding and allowed those cast members that were comfortable with being naked be naked and those cast members who were not to not be. Yeah, he obviously got in a couple of non-actor ringers or partial actor ringers to just, yeah, get your baps out, love, that's fine. You're not going to have a part, but we need some tits in this thing. Got to get the numbers up, otherwise it's not a dirty enough film, you know. But I don't know, no one got burnt in a wicker man or nothing. It didn't, didn't necessarily lead to anything too exciting. I just felt like, uh, I just felt like, well, you're grubby and bawdy, but like, and what? Like, how, you know, it's, I mean, it's a little bit monocle popping for some people, perhaps. It'd be one minute reading poetry and then actually you're being let into a saucy world of uh, sexual affairs and fantasies. But I don't know, dreary is how it felt. You've got villagers with their boring lives and then their boring dreams about sex. I mean, I couldn't care, really. That's the thing. I feel like they should have dialed up the comedy a bit more because. You know, sex can be funny in the right context, and in a lot of these contexts, it could have been. Uh, you know, it's there's something generally humorous about Welsh people and villagers and uh, gossip. So there's like a lot of uh, women in like headscarves, or like a lot of old middle, well, a lot of middle-aged women all gossiping together, and uh, you know, kind of judging people as is common of Welsh villages and I mean, most villages. And so there's, okay. sorry. I just got another quote. It's learn him with a slipper on his BTM. Nice, good. I don't think that's how you spell bottom. Not even in Welsh, but sure. So there, there's that playful language. I don't, I don't want to like just skip over and go. Oh, it's quite boring, but I there is there is a there is a fun in the interactions, and the, it is uh, good. It's good that the performers get the fun out of it. And the visuals are strong, and it's all like the locations all feel authentic and Welsh villagey, and it looks right and feels right and is striking. But I haven't got that hook of a proper narrative. I haven't got an interest in the pervy dreams of a Welsh village. So all of this sort of slightly embarrassing Welshiness got on my tits mainly, oh. as, it, as it were. I was kind of just like praying for it to end. Really, once it got going, I was like, "Oh, just wow. either find something for me to be interested in, or wrap it up, guys." Because I, just as you think, oh, I'm getting somewhere. Oh, now we're doing uh, the preacher guy, and he's up on a hill now with a thing, and and now oh, the woman's talking about who she fancies, and I was like, "Oh, I can't concentrate. I'm still trying to. I'm still not over the post being steamed up and those bastards." <laughs> I do have. A respect for it, the film though, for being a piece of art, if you know what I mean. It's it's very much. I, I feel like they've they've taken the poem and they're like, right, we need as much kind of like striking imagery as possible, and they they've certainly done that. Just that weird moment where that girl's on a lilo hanging out with a goat and she like circles her nipples in lipstick, but you don't see it. Just... Oh, in the graveyard. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I think I liked it better when little segments of vignettes were just a bit shorter and snappier. But because they're so bloody many, they don't—they don't all feel like oh, this is all big one part of a jigsaw. Mm. Like, like you I got... could have done without the um, the, the, the LSD gossip women in a trough, whatever the fuck they were in. Bird hide? I don't know what it was. Yeah. Just a bus stop, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) 
But then it's all part of the tapestry that Dylan Thomas had, you know, come up with. He obviously chucked all these in with something in mind, I guess. It's almost like the reason it's good is because other people say it's good. <laughs> I feel like, well, if I take away its its sort of importance and critical acclaim, at least the love of Dylan Thomas and his words. I mean, the words are probably better than the, than the film. Uh, I do want to read Under Milkwood coming from this film. Because I, I feel like uh, it's, it's obvious that's kind of like the strong point of mm. it. It's, yeah, it's, it's letting your mind do the work, isn't it? So you conjure the images rather mm. than having being helped along by the film. Yeah, they tried to mix it up a lot. So they had... Um, they, they threw in various things. Like there was one point where they had a projection on the wall of the people that were being talked about. And then other times it was like other times it was vignettes and various fantasy sequences, but it was just the load was too heavy, it and it it can't carry the weight of all of that imagery. Yeah, and, and be satisfying. I've listened to the BBC in just before this came out the year before perhaps. Uh, the BBC did a semi-visual version of this so it was it was more people from around the world all welsh actors predominantly or welsh celebrities reading parts and performing parts of the radio play so it was like a visual but it was the emphasis was on the words and i did feel like certain actors breathed the life into it that made me appreciate what the words were saying more than this did which was almost distracting me with the visuals and trying to find a a, a beautiful way to convey something right so i like it was it was nice just hearing actors say the words from what i did listen to um because it it just it felt you, you could understand the jokey playfulness of the words or the sort of the um, just the more imaginative it was more imaginative to hear dylan thomas's words as is Really, I felt like okay, this is meant to be thought of, and and the words take you on a journey, and are conveying everything you need. There isn't a, there you don't need the visual because that's not the point. Like it, it felt it felt right to be heard, which is obviously it was a radio play. So there yeah. you go. Uh, but you know, it's, you know, it was such a well-made thing. You go well. Can I criticize something? That does a really professional job. I don't know. It doesn't feel right, but at the same time, we're like, I'm not going to watch it again. So, bad job, technically. I don't know. I think it was like it's well made, and they've done so much with it. But I just don't know if it's a text that suits being made into a film. Yeah, like I wanted to have a laugh as well. Like I, it could have been really funny, and because it was artful, it was uh, you sort of more were challenged by it. Like part of the challenge of watching it is to understand it. I think because it's more the things flow into one another, and that's artful. But okay, well the, we're missing out on the brief of comedy then because you like it's it's head scratching. Like you're being amused, you understand, and then oh, what's this now? Okay, I'm not following this. Oh, go on. And I feel like there's a like maybe being the like when the people make it, the the people who perform, the people who put it together, they've done the research. They've heard and read the poem a few times or the the work. They're too close to it. They are experiencing it for the like however many times they've gone over it. 
it's not fresh to them. And then the film coming fresh to us meant we didn't have any... We had never heard the poem, poetry before. We never read it or heard the play. So, to us, it was more confusing. And therefore, that maybe that's partly the problem, is you haven't conveyed this in the best way. Maybe the literal way to go works better in the 70s version, I don't know, but I feel like people who made this were just too close to it. Hmm. And you, and then if you have that, you know, appreciation of the text, you're already on board. So you don't. There's no. There's no. You know, doesn't matter then, does it? You've already invested, aren't you? I don't know that it. Do you, do you think it could let people down if they already have it in their mind, and then this visualizes it, and it's not as good as what they had thought? That often happens with book adaptations. A little think... bit. I mean, the the visual style of the film is very bold and quite creative in its, in its way. Uh, I mean, it it does look great, but it does. I feel like, like if David Lynch watched this, he would enjoy it a lot. Sure. But, (laughs) but that's David Lynch, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, I don't want to say the visuals are distracting from the text, but it does, kind of make it all very dreamy and surreal. It's just... And it's it's just, That's not for everyone, is it? It's a very painterly uh, visual. It's, like, beautiful and illustrative and and just... It's a, lux- it's a luxurious-looking film and it captures sort of Welsh villaginess in a, in a uh, very striking and artful way, right? But... It, it still is just several vignettes that are confusingly interlinked with a theme of dreams and a, and a confusing narrator whose story I didn't fully understand. And there's, I feel like there's a lot of fucking homework to do. And at that point, I'm like, well, I'm out. I don't want to study it like a English text in an exam and find out why it's so brilliant. I want to understand it from the get-go. And I, it's just, for me, you're not going to win me over by being hard work. Sometimes hard work's rewarding, but, you know, it. you should be able to sit back and let it wash over you. I mean, it is essentially a a piece about uh, sex, life, death, uh, Welshness. I mean, it's heavily, heavily Welshy, Welshy, Welshingtons. Maybe that, maybe people, people do find our country a bit grating and, you know stuff or our accents I don't know maybe people like it find it maybe it's just me projecting actually um, but people do think the Welsh language is nice and, and sort of um, I don't know they're supposed to have the language of angels aren't we we also yes. sing at the drop of a hat <laughs> the old <laughs> dropping of the hat song the dropping oh, of the oh no the other half of the bingo card was Welsh harp and brass band there was a Welsh harp thrown in yeah we didn't. Do we see any sheep? We saw like a goat, a goat man as well. Maybe some wool. I wasn't paying attention. You'd notice a sheep. It didn't have. It didn't have a. <laughs> I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> Did it have any colliers? I feel like we were missing it. It wasn't a mining town. It was a fishing town, so or village. So it had all the sort of Welsh postcardy shit in it. Though you're right. Everything you'd want of a Welsh tourist tea towel was in you. There's a, a big scene in the boozer because you know Dylan Thomas had this rep of being a uh, you know drunken art uh, drunken artist and a 
I guess, a reprobate? A, a character. A ruddy-faced character. And so he couldn't miss the opportunity to do some scenes in a, uh, in and around the pub. What was the pub about? What were they doing? They were kind of... There was a big talk of everyone waiting for the pub to open, but it it never does, or it always is op- about to open or something. It's always about to open? Because the clock stopped. It's always half past ten. Hmm. But they, what else happened with the, the pub going business? Well, that was mostly Sinbad talking about um, Gossamer Bynan. Sure. And there was the big montage as well towards the end where it was just like, oh, pubs are good, aren't they? Yeah, so that's kind of yeah. what it boils down to. Pubs are good, and they, that's the heart of the village. Oh, yeah, it's like, I don't know. Who cares? It looks like hell for me. <laughs> just everyone's leery cackling. Yeah, and the movie bookends itself by... So it starts with everyone in bed, and I think it ends with most of the people, the night falling and the day ending and people going to bed again after their dreams. Mm. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's very, like, you know... It's an accomplished piece of art, but technically, though, I would say I didn't didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, just didn't. I just didn't like it. I don't care how artful it is or how critically, uh, or just how beloved certain people might find this sort of thing. It's pretentious, isn't it? It's like it's it's not it's not that it's pretentious it's that it's dull it's not dreams aren't interesting villagers aren't interesting don't show me a fucking story about it i will watch a thing about a policeman and a gun in a car a million times over i will not watch a fucking horny dream of a weird villager like i just i'm sorry i it's boring of me to be like i need something interesting to happen or exciting but I, you know, I'm I'm more the sort of person who leaves the sleepy village for the interesting city life, rather than stays in the fantasy world of uh, horny middle-aged fa- uh, fishermen. I think I would prefer an adaptation that was like a serial show, so that each character gets a bit more of a fleshing out, and to have a similar sensibility to the League of Gentlemen. Oh, so like the League of Gentlemen does like a Welshy town of horror, corny characters. Mm. What was the what was the butcher in this? There was a butcher that was up to something, like selling eyes and chops that were off and chewing on a finger or something. Yeah, the only thing I can remember is him fucking his wife. Charming. He went in dry as well, the bastard. Dry. <laughs> I mean, do you want to lubricate it with some gravy like the other couple? <laughs> what else have we got in the notes, guys? Have we skipped over anything that we're like, oh, that actually didn't get talked about? I mean, I feel I like... actually talk about the gender switch mirror. I brought it up and then you two didn't give a fuck. Well, I don't give a fuck. What happened? That was so interesting. <laughs> she's just... She's having a conversation with herself in the mirror, but the one looking back at her has got, like, a moustache and a hat. Yeah, good. And so she's... Way. I think... Because it was a self-contained moment, and there was a differentiation between reality and fantasy, I coped with it better as a thing. It's like, oh, that's weird, your reflection's different to you, and saying interesting things. Oh, trans politics, great. That's a nice one from such an old play. But, I don't know, nothing was enough. It wasn't a satisfying buffet of thoughts. 
it was just little snackable bits that didn't fill you up. Yeah, it was a very like I'm doing a metaphor. <laughs> That's good. That's fine. It is just it's a massive buffet. There's loads of stuff you like, so you take lots of things, but it's only one of everything. So you eat a lot, but you don't feel like you've actually enjoyed any particular thing because you've just had one of everything and then you get to the end you just feel a bit sick because you've had too much <laughs> yeah so it's not that it's bad this is this is a good well-made film it's just a lot it's and you not poetic except it's not poetic except to see me no <laughs> it might be poetic bloat i'll give him that it's gout <laughs> horny gout <laughs> i don't i don't know I feel like um, it's made me curious for more Dylan Thomas's. Uh, I want to hear more Dylan Thomas's poetry read by people who can give it, like you know, the right emphasis. Because reading it is one thing; that's fine. But I feel like I need someone else to do the heavy lifting of putting the emphasis in the right places. And then some of this uh, lyrical voiceover stuff w- w- did work. It was interesting. But I, you know, so it, it hasn't put me off Dylan Thomas, apart from it might be a little bit too, uh, oh, fuck, shut up with the Welsh bullshit again. <laughs> you could go anywhere with literature or poems. You could go conjure any imagery. Could you go to, like, Asimov to space or something? No, no, no. Drunks and pubs and ditches and valleys and <laughs> clouds. Okay. Well, there's one note I missed. At one point, uh, the Reverend uh, Eli Jenkins had a massive hat. Yeah, why it's not? It's a total throwaway. Throwaway hat. <laughs> yeah, the whole film's like a bloody collage of weird shit to look at, but, you know, I felt like, like in a way, going around Dylan Thomas's museum, you go, hmm, and then you move on. Like, you go, oh, right, hmm. You sort of look, and then you're still thinking, like, how long is, is it too quick to move away and look at the next thing? <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to read the whole little bit of text about whatever I'm looking at? How long do I keep the headphones on and the video listening? Let's just go outside and find the painting of him on a wall and take a picture. Good, that's the fun bit. Hooray. I think it was some Dylan Thomas stuff in the museum. I was, I think it was him where I was frustrated because they had some of his original notes. I looked at them and I couldn't read his writing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Hell, fuck you. It could have been in Welsh, so... I like some of the, some of the illustrators of his poems were quite nice and good stuff in there. I don't know. It hasn't put me off him, that's all I'm saying. But it hasn't... Uh, even though I... Yeah, it's like, oh, well done, you've succeeded at the brief, but I don't care for this. I'm sorry. Dreams can fuck themselves. I'm awake now. I need r- tangible reality as best, I, as you, as best uh, can be managed. <laughs> you know... As the one of us who is more charitable towards weird shit, do do you recommend this to people who like weird shit? I wouldn't recommend it to people who like weird stuff. Um, it's it's surreal in in points, but not in the in the kind of. Um, shockingly entertaining it's not psychedelic is it yeah um just a bit weird i'd I'd recommend it to people who 
who enjoy more artsy surrealist um, stuff because there are points in this film where it, you know it feels like a dream sometimes it feels like a nightmare sometimes it feels like it's kind of like lulling you to sleep sometimes it feels like it's trying to to shock you into wake um, I, I I like it more than rich does and and uh, I certainly appreciate a lot of the stuff uh, like the I, I appreciate the the vision and um, the execution somewhat. Um, it has made me more interested in Dylan Thomas, hmm. um, and I, I think I'll probably be trying to search out a copy of Under Milkwood for a gander at some point. Hmm. But did I enjoy the experience? Not so much. As per, I fall halfway between you and Rich. Pam's all the time. <laughs> and Tim, I will... It's probably on payday. See if they've got anything in our local uh, bookshop. Hmm. Or library. For free. So you don't have to keep the bastard. Um, <laughs> yeah, the library will be open again. But anyway, that's by the by. So what we all got out of this was, oh, maybe Dylan Thomas is all right. Hmm. Yeah. Which I think so bad, I guess. Not to do the filmmakers a disservice. I mean, it was a very it's like saturated, colourful piece as well. It was nice to have it bright and not... Because it can be like, oh, villages are dreary. But this was like, you know, bold, vivid colours. And you get to see an odd scene where Charlotte Church is being bummed but is fairly blasé about it because well, she's just <laughs> monologuing about something, is it? And... Just oh, being humped again. Um, essentially, she's she's been like depressed and disassociating since her husband, who she genuinely loved, died, and she's had relationships since, but they've all been shallow because really she loved him and misses him. Oh, that's kind of nice. The village bicycle is just being dry bummed for eternity when she wanted to be with the person who's gone. Oh. But it's play for laughs. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I don't know. The, yeah, there's nothing else to add. Um, so I won't add anything else. Good day. Hoilvaur. <laughs> Hoilvaur. Toodaloo.